hits the skids as it files for bankruptcy protection. That's all the news from RTHK. And welcome to The Week on 3. I'm Christy Lai. Hope you're having a great day so far on this fine Saturday morning. I have a great lineup for you today, so let's get started. Since 1992, leaders, diplomats, and more gather from all around the world to attend the United Nations Climate Change Conference to discuss and agree on policies to limit global temperature rises and adapt to the changes associated with climate change. Egypt is hosting this year's conference in Sharm el-Sheikh from the 6th of November to the 18th of November with more than 90 heads of states and representatives from 119 countries attending. Reporting live from Egypt about the conference is Lawrence Yu, the executive director of Civic Exchange, who told Peter more about what's happening on the ground. So the mood here is quite tense indeed because Three key things in this COP is happening. The first one, like what you mentioned, 1.5 degree will definitely miss it because it's like no one is really willing to step on the brake and then slow that, provide a more ambitious NDC to really reduce the emission sharply to really meet with the 1.5 degree tipping point. Mm. And then at the meantime, we actually is adding more fuel on the fire so that we definitely need to channel capital at least US 100 billion a year on the climate finance. However, this kind of bank track, the global loss is not really willing to take on it. And then global shelf is keep a lot of pressure on the global love country to really ask them to pay for that. Mm. And But there's still a strong hope here because the business sector in this COP is really united. And they try to push the government no longer to discuss about the principle. It's time to translate the pledge to action. Mm. So this is this is basically the the contentious issue of loss and damage here, isn't it, that you're talking about, where, in effect, wealthy countries fund poor countries who are suffering uh, the consequences of climate change. Poor countries aren't the ones who are producing uh, all this carbon in the atmosphere, but they're certainly suffering the consequences of that. Do you think governments now, from what you're hearing there, are willing to move forward with some sort of scheme uh, to help uh, poorer countries who are suffering so much? I feel um, because in this year, actually, the climate impact is quite severe. For example, it's like nearby like 150 million people with severe hunger in South in Africa and then the record flight then hit Pakistan in this September. Mm. So that is like country is still is like warming up in a really late light of negotiation at the start in the cup here. I I cannot see any chance that can really come up a alignment in this cup because the global loss country is also its impact partly like the Ukrainian crisis, Ukraine, through the Ukrainian war, 
and then the energy pricing is surging. So that is like it will just maybe the end up the angle of the shamel shake. We will just like to start the negotiation, but we will not really definitely to come up a certain really concrete funding to figure out how to find like the hundred of billion needed in the next few decades. So are um, our countries, our governments using the war in Ukraine as an excuse to not move forward with this? We heard um, the former Prime Minister of the UK, Boris Johnson, he was saying the UK simply can't afford it because of the uh, economic situation it was in. Are our countries using that as an excuse? I, I think so. Definitely, it's more like an excuse because, for my perspective, actually the global loss country can think that and phrase that as an opportunity. For example, it's like really partner with the global short country to think out like some insurance mechanism and then think about how to leverage the private capital to really like to use the insurance type. Um, tools to really help to insurance the uncertainty of the future and then to build um, a more like to repay in case global surface um, natural disaster and then can use the insurance to pay back um, to compensate and then to help them to rebuild and redevelopment. And businesses, are, are they on side with this? I get the impression that large global corporations do want to do something. They're willing uh, to work in partnership with governments to try and come up with some sort of loss and damage scheme that they can help finance. Yes, definitely. That's why you can see that um, this time, actually, the banking, the banking, and then the big corporate is really take active initiative in this call. And then in some of the corporate already mentioned is really clear to articulate that in this club they no longer need the pledge they want a really concrete action so that you can see that it's like there's something really happen in this club for example it's like a bank and then already committed is if the mdb invest like 10 billion uh, 10, 10 billion and they will invest 10 billion on like the loss and damage and the other type of climate finance. Mm. So tell me a little bit about um, John Kerry's proposal for um, a carbon credit scheme. What he's basically saying is uh, this scheme would help emerging economies um, attract finance to support uh, their clean energy transitions. Large companies would invest in in projects, and then uh, they would that would basically allow um, credits to be sold back to uh, to companies. Now, I know some climate activists don't like this scheme because they're saying basically, um, rather than actually offsetting emissions, they should be cut instead. But nevertheless, what do you think about this scheme? I think the carbon credit definitely important because we the whole world is lit. Um, to really internalize the carbon externality into the business decision. Once we price in the carbon emission, and then it will really encourage the new technology to develop. Because at that time, if we put the carbon um, pricing into the balance sheet, it will really change the investor decision-making process. Lawrence Yu. 
Executive Director of Civic Exchange, was speaking to Peter Lewis on Money Talk, live from Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt. This week on Backstage, Alison Howe spoke to American pop rock band Lani, who were touring in Taiwan for their November to Remember Asia tour. The duo have been to Japan, Philippines, Indonesia, and more, and they were super excited to be back touring again after three years and have sold all of their tickets in seconds. Let's hear more about their tour so far and if they're planning any future drops. Japan was awesome. It's one of our favorite places. We love Tokyo and Osaka. Um, but we actually, like when we were first putting this tour together, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to make it over to Japan. Um, but a festival came through. And so we were so excited and we took it and it lined up perfectly. Um, and now we're in Taipei. Mm-hmm. We do two uh, nights here, which is awesome because we've only been here one other time in 2017. And it was like our first time coming over to Asia. And um, we were still figuring out like what cities, you know, liked us or even had ever heard of us. And <laughs> You know, we played to like 170 people in Taipei, which at that time was like, you know, it wasn't a, a lot of people at all. And other places in Asia were bigger. So we're like, hmm, I don't know if we'll ever be coming back to Taipei. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, coming back and selling both of these out and like, honestly, I think a couple minutes is really, really crazy. We have no yeah. idea what's happened, but we're excited to like, play two sold out shows here tomorrow mm-hmm. and the next day <laughs> let's talk about you and your musicality and your creativity in that sense i mean it feels like 2022 has been a big collab year for you guys everybody wants to have laney on their tracks oh thanks yeah i mean yeah it's been really cool we did uh that new song with bozzy uh what else have we done this year what's another one is that it? Uh, We've seen you on like Kelsey Ballerini before. Okay, yeah. yeah, that was yeah last year. Was, that was awesome. And yeah. then Twenty Kid, a good friend of ours, and an awesome DJ. Yeah, we're just like in our yes era right now. Just saying yes to anything that comes our way. People are awesome. Everyone's sick. It's cool to collab. Yeah, vibes are up. Nice. Bassi, we got a chance to hang out with him as well. And he's got nothing but good things to say about Lainey. He was like, been a fan of you guys. So pumped that you guys jumped onto a yes for his track. And it sounds amazing. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. So much. He's the best. Love Yay. you, <laughs> Has there been a no from you so far? Um, I guess. Totally. Yeah. Totally. We nice. are. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we, we consider all things. Um, but ultimately, you know, it just comes down to like, does the song speak to us and, and uh, does it resonate with where we're at, like at the current time? And, and uh, if, if Jake signs off, on, if we both sign off on it, then it's we're good to go. Has there been a, a big debate between just the two of you thinking that, oh, one of us want to say yes. The other one's like, I don't know. I'm sure we don't like to debate too much. I, um, I just basically let Jake decide for us. <laughs> um, uh, but we've definitely disagreed on stuff before um, because we're just two human beings that, you know, want to get to the top. Yeah. Going to be some hurdles. But we're really good. Like, we're good at fighting if we fight. We, 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 it's not much of a fight. Yeah. 
his every we, week. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely need tips from you because dealing with conflict is not everybody's forte. So yeah. how do you guys handle it? For me, I learned from my wife. I was not good at handling conflict, and she taught me. Her family does it really well, and it's really short and to the point, and then you kind of forget about it. Where where I grew up, it's more like kind of bury it and let it explode in like 10 years. So try to deal with it head on and out of love and respect and trust. I'm also lucky that it also helps to be in a band that with someone that you don't like that you typically agree on most things with like Jake and I see eye to eye on a lot of stuff. We have a lot in common, share a lot of the same like ideas and uh, ambitions. So if there is something we disagree on, it's it's pretty seldom. And we got the same goal too. So that just helps that we're on the same mission together. Deepest cuts by the coolest bands Spent a year abroad solo in Japan Wrote your senior paper about exploding stars How they're made up of the same things we are Thinking about what's next Talking about my life could spin the rest I can see you now and now I trust Feel like I should call in And they were speaking to Alison Howe on the common room. The Seoul Sikh Temple in Hong Kong reopened its doors 
after a 230 million five-year building project, with a larger three-story building featuring a medical center, a larger kitchen, and language classes. The Kalsa Duwan was designed in India and paid by donations from Hong Kong. To tell us more about the new features of the temple is Baljinder Singh, who is part of the technical team of the building committee. Actually, from the very beginning, uh, when we started our planning, it was in 2014 uh, that the management committee approved our renovation. And after that, uh, we keep on uh, doing all the stuff and then finding contractors. And we begin almost six years ago officially for contracts, all the other things. And today we are officially opening it. Yeah. Mm. It's a long, long period. And the renovation has all been paid for from uh, donations uh, from within the community, is that right? Yes, all the donation is from within the community. That's the sole donation. Yeah, we don't have other donation. It's all the community alone. Mm. Our um, Mr. Harry Singh Banga alone, he donated 50 million Hong Kong dollar right. alone. Right. And right. Wow. all other community members did their best, whatever they can, because this our Gurdwara is for the whole community, for the whole mankind. Right. Everybody right. is welcome right. to donate. Right. Everybody is welcome right. to come here. Right. Right. It's for the whole community. Mm. Harry Singh Bangar is the, he's he's the chairman of the Caravel Group, the shipping group, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, 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 yeah, yeah. Good. Yeah, yeah, yes, I mean, that's a very important point that you make. Yeah, it's. Uh, it is for the whole community. Uh, uh, obviously, it's the Sikh uh, place of worship, but uh, there are several important factors, like, for instance, the kitchen. I know you've expanded the kitchen, and really any, anybody who, uh, who wants to go in and, uh, and have some food and have a meal is, uh, is welcome. Yes, actually, our Sikh philosophy, uh, we are open to all human beings. It's for all mankind. So, previously, our kitchen cannot accommodate uh, uh, such a large number of devotees coming here on special occasions. So, with that in our mind, uh, we build a very, uh, utilizing the whole space we have, we build a larger divan hall, we build a larger community kitchen, our dining hall, langar hall, so that people from not just the community, but the whole mankind, Hong Kong, Chinese, other nations, they are all welcome. And we, if you have time, you can come and see by your own eyes that we have people from all around of the community coming here. Because in Sikhism, all mankind are equal. We sit together, we eat together, and we pray on the same level. So this is a message to the whole community that everyone is welcome here. Right. And, and before the renovation, you, you weren't able to do that because you had a smaller kitchen and a smaller facility. But uh, back then, did you also welcome other Hong Kong people in uh, to the dining hall? Everyone, no matter what your race, religion, color, there's no discrimination in Sikhism. We are welcome everybody in Hong Kong to come here. But we have a bit uh, few restrictions here that when you go to our kitchen, you can uh, volunteer, you can eat, but you must cover your hair and do not bring in alcohol or any kind of tobacco. So if you have to enter our kitchen you have to, and our dining hall, you have to take off your shoes and socks. And if you have to enter our main divan hall, where our Guru Granth Sahib Holy Scripture is there, 
you have to cover your hands, uh, wash your feet, and take off your shoes. That's the only main restriction. Apart from that, everybody is welcome here. Yeah, uh, and I noticed that uh, you have added social elements uh, into this um, uh, new Sikh temple. Can you tell us about that? I think there's a library and there are, you know, programs for your community? Yes, the digital library, which uh, is a very large library. We have uh, Mr. Chalaram donated uh, for that. Uh, the main purpose is to give a message and give opportunity for the younger generation so that when they come to the Gurdwara side, they can learn more about not just our own religion or other things. They have uh, vast, we have uh, hired other teachers here who will teach them all kind of stuff. So we give them the opportunity to come here, sit together and find a very large database of information that they need here regarding the Sikh community, our Sikh religion, or other information that is useful to them. We encourage young people to come here. <laughs> and you'll also be offering uh, other services as well, uh, I believe, uh, some uh, uh, medical consultations? Yes, uh, we have volunteer doctors here. Yes, uh, they will have come here uh, to serve the community. So on our Sundays or other occasions when the larger gathering is here, our doctors, our sick doctor, uh, he or other doctors we have few, they will come here, do voluntary service, and they can help people who are in need to give them immediate advice. Uh, but no prescription, we will give them to buy ourselves, but they will consult, give you advice, so it will help the community who are in need. Uh, and I notice also that you'll be offering uh, language lessons, uh, not only in Punjabi, but also in Cantonese. Yes, uh, actually we, are, we will be inviting uh, uh, NGOs to come here, give us uh, other Chinese classes or other classes that the community need. Not just uh, uh, learning, uh, we will have uh, some taekwondo or karate, something like that, because we have a bigger place now here. We can accommodate uh, a lot of activities, but we are doing our very best to offer what we can, uh, the community needs. Uh, so it's an ongoing process. We will keep modifying when uh, something arises that the community needs some classes. Of course, we will approach the NGOs or other people who can try to come here and teach our kids or other kids from any community. Aljinder Singh was part of the building committee of the Khalsa Duan, was speaking to Jim Gould and Ada Wong on Backchat. And finally, to end today's week on three, we have Steve James, who will be taking us back to the 1960s with a bit of the Beatles. Take care and have a great day. I'll see you next week here on The Week on Three. I'm Christy Lai. All the gin joints in all the towns in all the world. You have got to be kidding me. She walks into mine. The Steve James Tuesday Afternoon Drive. Yeah, life is hilariously cruel. Oh, the factories may be roaring with the boom-a-lack-a-zoom-a-lack-a-wee. But there isn't any roar when the clock strikes four. Everything stops for tea. Oh, they may be playing football, and the crowd is yelling, kill the referee. 
But no matter what the score when the clock strikes four, everything stops for tea. This day, 1969, the song Something, the first Beatles A-side composed by George Harrison, entered the UK singles chart, peaked at number four. Number one in the US, the song has been covered by over 150 artists, making it the second most covered Beatles song after yesterday. Oh, hunger. 
Once there was a way 